This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. Right now, I am a big John Carlos Stanton fan. I'll tell you why on ESPN New York Tonight. That's the number to join our Monday night edition of ESPN New York tonight. Along with Brian the Brain and Jake the Snake, we're here until midnight. Then it's Freddie and Fitz on 98.7 ESPN. You can hit us up on Twitter at HardestyESPN at ESPNNY 98 underscore 7 FM. How are you today? Hope you had a great day. Hope you were drying some things off. I spent (laughs) much of the day uh, putting stuff back. Because obviously with the Henri tropical storm hurricane that was supposed to come through the area, we battened down the hatches. We brought everything inside. I tell you, the garage was, you could hardly move in there. I didn't realize how much uh, plant life my wife had outside. And so we had to get it all into the house. But uh, hopefully in your area, as we were spared, hope the same was for you. Minimal damage, if none at all, hopefully. Just a lot of rain and very little wind. I hope uh, that was the same for all of you who are listening to me tonight. Uh, We'll get your thoughts, whatever you want to talk about. 1-800-919-3776. Perhaps it's the Jets. Perhaps it's the Giants over the weekend. Perhaps it's the Yankees and the Mets. Your thoughts, perhaps it's the uh, Manny Pacquiao fight that you saw over the weekend. 1-800-919-3776. But first. Right now, I am a charter member of the Giancarlo Stanton fan club as of right now. And a charter member of the Gary Sanchez fan club right now. Because as we speak, the New York Yankees have a 5-1 lead over the Atlanta ball club. As you know, the Mets who have driven off the road for the month of August. Need help. <laughs> help. And to be able to have the Yankees come in and beat Atlanta a couple of games would be nice. Now, the Mets have to do their part as well. Okay? And that means they've got to start winning some games. And I'm not confident that they can do anything with the San Francisco Giants over the next couple of days. However, after they leave, I kind of feel a little better about things. Although previously, they have not exactly wowed me when they face teams who are not as good as they are. So we'll see what happens. But for right now, don't anybody say anything bad to me about Stan. Don't anybody say anything bad to me about Gary Sanchez. Those are two phenomenal ball players. Phenomenal. And to be honest, and I've always had I've always heard this discussion. And it's a fascinating one for me. I've always heard this discussion about players who play every day then try to convert to a DH. Where what do you do between innings? What do you do between the what do you do? What are you doing? And I don't know if there's a direct correlation. But Stanton seems to play better when he plays in the field a little bit. Now, once again, I am by no means suggesting 
that Stanton is your everyday outfielder, your everyday right fielder or left fielder. No, 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 no. He wouldn't last. I got it. Especially now because he hasn't done it for years. And now you put him out there, he'd be done. But I must say there has been this thought, and I've spoken to some players who talk about because you're on the bench so much, you are consumed with hitting. And I think in some cases with some players, it almost makes them think like they're not a complete baseball player. And I'm not inferring that Giancarlo Stanton thinks that way. But there are players who feel that way. Like, I'm not a complete ball player. Like, I I can't play a position. I've always played the position. And I think it keeps you in the game more when you're out out in the field. I just think it does. But whatever the reason, if you're a Yankee fan, you got to be very happy right now with the way Stanton is playing. And tonight he did a little bit of everything, right? You had the home run and you had the big uh, two RBI double from him. So he's playing very well right now, as is this Yankee ball club. And as Michael K was talking about earlier today, there's some decisions that are going to have to be made about this team. What are you going to do? When Osella comes back, what are you going to do? When Torres comes back, what are you going to do? With a roster upgrade of just two on September 1st from 26 to 28. Not that let's bring everybody up from the minus 40 that used to be. And who knows, they may go back to that. I don't know. But clearly it's not this year. That makes it even tougher. So a great story like the Fordham Flash, the pride of the Bronx, Velasquez, could be sent down. What are you going to do with Odor? Already you had to sit Luke Voigt down, even though he came up, I believe, as a pincher. I saw him come to bat. But, I mean, this is a guy who's been hot too. So it's going to be an interesting situation. But for right now, Play the game. If you're the Yankees, just keep hitting. Especially tonight and tomorrow night. (laughs) Just keep rolling. Don't stop. Keep going. Keep doing what you do. The Mets finally won a game. They beat the Los Angeles Dodgers on getaway day for them. Back off day today. Back in action, as I mentioned, against the Giants. And hopefully, they'll find a way to get some things going. Javi Baez back in the lineup yesterday. There was a difference, no question about it. You saw what he brought to the table. Francisco Lindor will probably be back in the lineup by the end of the week. I expect it will take him a little time to get his swing back, but he will be a welcome addition to the lineup. And then the Mets have a little situation of where do you put Jeff McNeil? He's been playing some third base, which he did previously, but he's also been in the outfield. Hmm. I'm not big on McNeil in the outfield. I'm just telling you the way it is. Not really big on McNeil in the outfield. But we'll see what happens. Especially he had a couple of hits in the game yesterday. Maybe he's ready to get going. Because ultimately, that's really what's bothering this ball club. But we've had this conversation over and over and over again. It's about the hitting. It's about timely hitting. The thing that the Yankees are doing now that they had trouble doing before the All-Star break, well, the Mets have been very inconsistent in timely hitting as well. The amount of... They've they've left... Groups of people on the baseline, on the base paths. They just haven't been able to get it done. And they missed some people yesterday before they were able to get some runs in. So 
Once again, we've chronicled the Mets situation over and over and over again. Let's see what they do. Can they find a way to put a streak together? Similar to the one that got them in the spot they're in, seven games out of first place for the month of August. It's just unbelievable what they've been able to go through. Had the chance, did the show last night, didn't get a chance to mention it. Uh, Saw the Manny Pacquiao fight. And, you know, Ugas won the fight over Pacquiao. And then you hear the stuff of, well, you know, it's time for him to retire. He's 43. It's over. That is such a uh, familiar refrain in boxing, right? He's done. He's over with. He's through. It's hard to tell these guys to stop. It really is. It really is. They feel like they can continue to go in there. And it's not like he looked so bad that you would say he's done. It's not that he looked so bad. But he took some shots. And at 43, those shots hurt a little bit more than they did even five years ago. (laughs) Because Ugas, he didn't let, he, I mean, Pacquiao was busier. But let me tell you something. Ugas landed heavy punches. I mean, heavy. Those punches to the body, they were heavy hitting punches. So I don't know what, and, and it's funny because I think it was Buddha, guys, maybe last week was talking about how, you know, Ugas was one of those guys who was hungry. This is a big opportunity for him. You know, this might be a tough one for Pacquiao, and it turns out it was. So Pacquiao did not get that championship. Ugas won in the unanimous decision, and I know the scorecards were actually – it is so rare for you to for, – for the scorecards to look exactly the same. Everybody saw the exact same fight. I don't know the last time that's happened. Normally, there's somebody that you're wondering, what fight were they looking at? <laughs> yeah, no clue. Like, what are they doing? Who, who, what fight? Are they watching a different fight on TV than the one I'm seeing? Because this is not the one. It's ESPN New York Tonight. On 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Jack, I see Brian's got his roller skates out there going back in the day. There's a little roller skate thing. He's on his skates in the studio right now. Brian, is that how you met your wife? A little roller skate party? No, I did not. No? Mutual friend. Mutual friend. Oh, okay. All right, nice. Excellent. Why didn't you ask me where I met my girl, Larry? Well, I listen. You're a bachelor. I don't know that you want people to know that you even have a girl. Well, I remember those days. Remember, well, Brian? <laughs> well, ladies, if you're listening right now. Oh, oh, oh here, here we, we go. go. I'm single and ready to mingle, so let's oh, do it. Oh, Monday night and the feeling's right, huh? Okay. The Yankees are up 5-1. I'm feeling in a, a really good mood right now, Larry. Oh, I know. I'm in a great mood. Let's go, Yankees. Oh, my God. I can't believe I'm saying it. 1-800-919-3776. Spike is in St. Pete. He's batting leadoff on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Spike. Hey, guys. Everyone's in a good mood because I'm watching Chapman. He threw the first four pitches. <laughs> I don't know what a delay you're on, but I got YouTube TV. And between streaming, which I'm talking to you, I'm on like 92 seconds combined. But uh, eventually <laughs> you get there. But Chapman looks just, I mean, uh, the first guy you just caught looking at, and this guy, this guy got no chance. <laughs> catching up to anything but uh, 
listen, I told Jake, I said, uh, this is a perfect spot to bring Jack in, no matter what happens, you know, it's a perfect spot. So. That's right. Even if yes. they're I'm still, I'm still in the conundrum, Larry. We've talked over the weekend when, we, when I could, and uh, I just don't understand. I still don't understand it. I think they're going to go right through if they remain hot, the Yankees, you know? Go right through and uh, yeah. and win it, but they could also get cold and lose it. But uh, sure, sure. I don't, I don't buy into this whole thing. I really don't. I think momentum is not the starting pitcher; it's the closer now. It's re- with few exceptions, you know, Scherzer mm-hmm. and Cole, and obviously Degrom. But mm-hmm. the closer, you need the closer to win these things. It's wild, but they're playing great ball. They're really playing great. Well, you know, that's an interesting point, Spike. But I think here's here's where the the close here's where the starter is your is your momentum guy when you've lost. Yes, you lost yes, a couple of games, you know. That's when you're, you know that that's what really hurts the Mets without having Degrom. Don't no ace, even though Stroman's pitched well. It's that scenario where okay, we've lost three in a row, but okay, Degrom's on the mound, and and especially right. with him because because with him, uh, Spike, not only is he going to pitch well, he can hit. He's going to have probably bring in his own runs anyway. <laughs> you know, but my friend who's a beaver like you and I said, uh-huh. he 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 been in this by me since there's Larry. He thinks maybe DeGrom hurt himself swinging. Uh, you know, DeGrom didn't take uh, a soft cut. He took a rip. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that could be different muscles. And who knows? I, I don't know. It's just a shame. That's the that's the tail in my season, uh, the down of, of watching. Because I watched every start DeGrom's made for the last three or four years. Never yeah. missed one. And I yeah. uh, watched every pitch because he was just brilliant to watch. Like yeah. I did you know, the great ones when we, when I grew up, the Kovac season, and Revels on, we can watch. But uh, listen, the Mets just can't have to score some runs. That's all. They, Please. They prove their defense. <laughs> but uh, the Yankees, this thing, this could be one of these five-week rolls. You never know. And mm-hmm. it could, you know, change overnight. But they, uh, And this is a good one for New York overall. You get your win, we get our win, you know, assuming he just continues to mow them down. So it's been good, and uh, I'll try it one more time. Wednesday's your last night, and you're going away Thursday. for a while? Thursday. Oh, Thursday. Okay. Thursday. I'd, yep. I'd invite you down here, but I, and I would. I would welcome you with open arms. You know that. And mm-hmm. treat you like goals, which you deserve. Thank but you, I don't sir. think this is the prime vacation spot right now. <laughs> I understand. I understand what you're saying, Spike. And listen, you and the family be safe. Right. I'm trying my best. Seven, Seventy-five doctors walked out of the Florida hospital. They had enough today. It, it, it's, it's, it, Larry, I know it's not a political show, but mm-hmm. I couldn't have made a worse decision. But uh, I didn't know it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Couldn't have made a worse decision way to move. But it just uh, in, in long run, it'll be okay. But this is this is really scaring me. I've been through a lot in my life. This is really scaring me. It's just yeah. uh, it's just untenable to understand how people could act one way in one place and. 1,300 miles, you know, kind of, it looks like it's kind of under control. Am I, am I wrong up in where you live? It's not too, it's not too bad, but we still got some things popping up, but you, you know, it's, it, it's not bad, but for example, and thanks for the phone call, Spike, I've had, I've got some relatives in um, North Carolina in Charlotte who, I mean, the, the beds are full, you know, this, they're having a really tough time there. So it's, it, it's really depending on where you are. It really is. It's become a, kind of a regional situation. 1-800-919-3776. Oh. Aroldis Chapman, shut them down. So the New York Yankees beat Atlanta 5-1. And the Mets pick up a half game. Just like that. Yeah, I've been Just a Yankees like fan since today. Just like that. <laughs> That's right. That's right.
today. We're good. Go Yankees. And for the Yankee fan, seeing Chapman like this is better. Gives you a little confidence, right, that he's working his way back. How about Zach Britton back on the I.L.? What is going on with him this year? I mean, this is a guy who has really been Mr. Dependable as far as locking in that eighth inning role. And, you know, Peralta was in there. He struggled a little bit, got the nice double play to help him out. But, uh, you know, they just, they just, but here's the thing. They have time to get their bullpen in order. And because of the fact that the way the starters have pitched and they've gotten some run support, you know, you've had a chance to fool around with your bullpen and kind of get them on the right page. Okay, and you still need to do some things. But look, tonight, Loisiger was outstanding, gave you two innings, beautiful work. Peralta gave you an inning that you, you know, were, you know, a little shaky. And Chapman did a nice job. And I get it. And I understand Yankee fans because, I mean, you had Mariano Rivera for over a decade, which meant you had no worries. Oh, Mariano's coming. Ah, Game over. When they played into Sandman for Mariano, he. Most of the time, did that. He put the opponent to sleep. That was it. Was done. Over. Goodbye. See ya. And so now you you understand what you know. Met fans and Dodger fans and other major league fans had to go through. You had easy. He came in. It was like boom, boom, boom. See ya. Done. That's not realistic. Everybody doesn't have that situation. Okay, all teams don't have that. And so now you're living with you know uncertainty. And that's the way it is in Major League Baseball. That's why people have, you look at closers and people are like, who's that? That's a closer? You look at what that Yankee bullpen was like just a couple of years ago. They have multiple people who would have been the closer on many teams in the Major Leagues. And they're pitching like the sixth inning. (laughs) Coming in sixth inning, seventh inning. Knocking, you know, one inning, boom, done. So, you know, but having said all that, this bullpen needs to be more consistent and straighten itself out. And Loisiger was perfect tonight. Need to get Green going again where he's not so inconsistent. Obviously, Chapman coming off the IL, getting better. Hopefully, you've got time now for Britain to get himself squared away. And what Spike said about DeGrom is interesting because he does take hard swings. He really does. And between that and throwing – a hundred miles an hour in spring training. Like, what are you trying to do? Who are you trying to impress? Slow it down. Sure wish I had him on the mound. Maybe I'll get him back, right? Maybe. If the Mets can go on a roll, and I don't know that they'll be able to go on enough of a roll where you make that decision to say, okay, let's see if he can pitch this year. I don't know if they'll go on that much of a roll, but I'm almost inclined to, I'm almost inclined to shut him down for the year. I really am. I'm inclined to, I'm, I'm really, I'm torn. I'm not sure what I would do if I were the Mets right now. I don't know if I would just shut him down and say, okay, forget about it. Let's just go on with what we got or try to see if he can come back this year. I, I, I don't know. I don't know because I'm concerned. Because he said, if, this, if he only had maybe one or two stints, where he had an injury and was out of the rotation, okay, maybe. But he's had multiple stints out of the rotation. Multiple. And 
I'm very concerned about that. It makes me very nervous, very nervous about him to the point that I would consider shutting him down. It's ESPN New York tonight on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Hardy Steve flying solo. Gordon's hanging out with Chris Canty this week. So you can listen to Gordon and Canty at the, from 5 to 8 tomorrow here on 98.7 ESPN. Doug is in Long Island. Joins us next on 98.7. Hey, Doug. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. I almost had the greatest show for you. I just had uh, Chuck D on with me and my good friend Michael Jai White is here in Connecticut. Both wanted to talk a little sports. I dropped them. So maybe because we the call just dropped, but um, you know, maybe I'll get them tomorrow when you're on. But uh, yeah, just Doug, I got a quick story for you. Next. Got a quick story for you, Doug. I yeah, interviewed please. I I interviewed Michael Jai White after he played Mike Tyson. Oh my God! I got I have to. I, he knew who you were. He said, "I think," and I, I just I'll have him on because he's here doing something at a studio in Connecticut. But he's mm-hmm. a dear friend. I introduced him to his wife, Gillian, who's an actress on The Oval. Uh-huh. And she went to Howard with my sister, who's wow. a professor at USC. My sister was the funniest. She used to call uh, Steve and I up, and she would say uh, she would say to my dad, I can't reach Steve. He's busy with that Madison Square Garden stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that stuff. You know, she, she had, you know, Pete Carroll was there, and she would say, Doug, why does Coach Carroll – so aggressively want me to tutor these big Hawaiian guys. I said, because they make a few million for your university. Do you understand? Mm. And I remember one time that Reggie Bush was coming on to her. She said, this young guy, I was like, uh, listen, maybe you should quit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I said, maybe you should quit. Sis. Trust me. I don't think, you know, she's the, I said, you could date Julia White. You went to the prom together back in the day. But anyway, on the next stuff, yeah. I think Jake is the source I have inside. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Jake is shut down for the year. Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't even Listen, a guy that throws at that kind of velocity and is just heat in his, in his right hand, you know, those things can happen. So shut him down and be safe, you know? Mm-hmm. Hell, I, I, would sh- I would shut him down for sure. And uh, just, I, I'm looking forward. I'm, I'm happy. I'm a guy who roots for all the New York teams. I mean, my friends used to play with the Jets, Mo and Marvin and all those mm-hmm. guys. And one of your colleagues, Keyshawn, they used to come mm-hmm. to my place down the street, Virginia Lounge. No longer there. Not a shameless plug. But mm-hmm. uh, they would see me wearing giant stuff and say, hey, listen, man, what team are you on? I said, anything New York, I'm on it. And they would always laugh at me and call me New York. But um, I just, I'm looking forward to everyone doing well. I mean, I know it's Mets and Yankees. Just listen, the Yankees have won time for the Mets to get something started and surprise and get the fans rallying around them, just like the Jets have yeah. a good future. But, you know, don't put too much on that quarterback and stop with this. They're going to win three games. They're not. They're not. And, you no, know, I, I just, I look, I want them to do well. You know, yeah. I want to, I just hope the Knicks don't trade everybody. <laughs> no, I think, you know what, Doug, I think they're going to stand pat from where they are right now. I, I think they're going to yeah, wait and see what what's going on and, and, and listen, I will say this, Doug, and thanks for the phone call, my friend. Always good talking to you. I, I just believe that they're going to really have – it just looks as though the coaching staff is going to be able to try to coach up some of these young players. 
And that's the key thing, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's not just who you draft. It's what you do when you get them, right? I don't care what the sport is. It's about improving them. It's about having, uh, you know, the what's what's the, uh, you know, what what what's the now phrase that that we have there? It's the culture that you have around the team, the culture. But honestly, it's do you have veterans who understand what it mean, what it takes to win, and coaches who know the game and know adjustments? That's what it is. That's that's what it is. It's really it's really that simple, but hard to achieve, right? Some of the simplest things are the hardest things for you to get to. And that's what it takes. So I think right now the way the team is playing, the way the the Knicks are going in the direction they have, I think they're going to stand pat. They're going to see what they can do. And they'll they'll bring this group, see how well it goes. And then at the trade deadline, middle of the season, they'll make a decision. Like the Yankees had to make a decision. And by the way, Doug, I agree with you. It is time for the Mets to do a little something, to to put some some years together where you have sustainable success, where you're in that conversation of coming out of the National League, you know, where, where you're like the Dodgers. Over the the Dodgers have been consistent, all right. And listen, they've spent a lot of money to get there, but they've been consistent, and that's what that's what as Mets fans we're looking for, and that's what. Steve Cohen brings to the table. And, you know, the texting and the tw- the tweeting and stuff is, you know, sometimes it can be a little annoying. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes you don't pay attention to it. But it just means that you have an opportunity to improve your team more than one way, right? You have the opportunity because you have an owner who is willing. Doesn't mean he's always going to go into his checkbook and write a check. But at least you know that if there's something that he really feels and trusts his baseball people will tell him that is something that this team needs to improve, to take the next step, to get better, that's what you you want an owner who's going to say, yeah, definitely, let's do it. Here, write the check. We'll figure it out. Write the check. That was not the Wilpons. <laughs> All the time. Not saying they never spent money. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying they never spent money, but seems like they never spent money. <laughs> Bruce is in Flushing. He's next on 987 ESPN. Hey, Bruce. Hey, Larry. It's fun to watch Yankee games again. Oh, how about those Yankees? You know, <laughs> it's starting to remind me of 1998 where you, you, you don't know who was going to get the winning hit, but you know it's going to come. And yeah. watching the the last quiz is like watching a vacuum cleaner short stop. Yeah, you know, he does a nice job. Bad one throw, but other than that, I'm just, just kidding. It's great. Now, I have to take one sour note about the Yankees. Uh-oh. Can you explain to me why Haney's starting tomorrow? Oh, Bruce, give him a break. He just, he just won a nice game for you. Give him a break. I, I still don't know how he did it. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't matter. He did it. He did it. Give him another shot, Bruce. Bruce. 15 innings. 15 innings. Just get up and run. Give him another shot, Bruce. Maybe he's on a roll. Maybe he's figured some things out. Maybe Garrett Cole was at his his side session. You know, Garrett Cole is doing a heck of a job as the pitching coach of this team. (laughs) Yeah. um, He's turned Ty on around. 
yes, they did. And but the only thing I can, I can think of is that they they don't want to risk heel swinging a bat. You know, ask the grown what happens when you do that. Exactly. So, uh, sorry about that. But, Listen, I don't even have to ask the grown. I could I could talk to you about Ching Ming Wong swinging the yeah. bat and hurting his foot around rounding the bases. That's why they should have the DH. It's ridiculous. Have the DH. Universal DH. Stop. Know, speaking, speaking of, of pitching coaches, Rockchild getting fired by the Padres. How, How are they blaming him? <laughs> why are they blaming <laughs> him? Are you no, we don't need any more. That's okay. Bye. I mean, I know that there were problems with the Yankees that never developed any kids, but still. But, um, you know, it, it, it's fun watching these games. I... I um, I want to see what's going to happen down the road. I don't want to try to overthink think, think this because there are decisions to be made. Um, I, I I don't want to give up Rizzo in the offseason. I mean, I, to me, if I'm the Yankees, what I would do is don't get a big shortstop. you got this kid, Velasquez. And, Larry, they have a kid named Perrazzo who's supposedly better than Velasquez. Mm. And he's, he's, he's playing in double A. He's hitting like around 300. He's got power. Then behind Perez, you got Volopi behind him. So why would you spend millions and millions of dollars where you don't have to and put that money into Rizzo? Let me ask you this, Bruce. You're the perfect person to ask. We were discussing this. All right, tomorrow, okay, do you sit Rizzo and start Voight? I mean, Rizzo no. was 0 for 5 tonight. No, you you're gonna no, no, you, no, no. you you want to keep Rizzo in the lineup. Keep Rizzo in the lineup. Keep his gloves. Um, and yeah, I don't I mean, want to bring his, look. I can bring his I can bring his glove in the game like I, like you brought in Gardner tonight. I can bring his glove in the seventh inning. Yeah, but I I don't want to reward uh, Voight for his his. I'm looking at me. I'm wonderful. I'm top ten MVP candidate last year. I should be playing. I don't want to really play. Player of the it. week, though, Bruce. It's player well, of the I, week. I I understand that, but uh, no, I would I I would not do that. And another thing, I I would be hesitant. I understand everybody loves the the, the big offense and a Judge playing center, and you get Void in playing, but you don't want to risk playing Judge. Too much in center field. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's a big six foot seven, two hundred and seventy five pounds. He tends to break down. He hasn't done it so far, but it's okay to play center field every so often too. You don't want to put your luck. Um, and by the way, speaking about luck, yes, um, John Carlos Stan. Oh, that's my guy. <laughs> big RBIs tonight. Big. But, but playing in the outfield for like the last 30, 30 games and, and hasn't broken down. Listen, and he's produced in the outfield, Bruce. I think I think he should be your right. I think he should be your right fielder. And what about Judge? No, you know what I would do? Honestly, I would put Gallo in center, put Stanton in left, Judge in right, and I'm good. Yeah, why? I don't understand. Gallo has played fifty-five games in center. Mm-hmm. Made a great catch today in left field. Great Why catch. they hasn't to put Gallo in center field? I don't know. I really don't know. Because I, I thought that would be the perfect place for him. Kay was talking about that this afternoon. So I know. Why doesn't he play center field? I don't know. I mean, I would. He, and by I, way, yeah. And by the way, before I, I go, mm-hmm. I have to mention Roger Bear. Yeah. 
as a kid growing up in the 60s, um, this kid, this guy was an all-star. This guy was an icon in, in hockey. Plus, he could, always, he could always keep pace with Joe Namath off the field, too. Mm-hmm. But the thing about, about Drew Bear was, and you don't have this kind of hockey player anymore, he could come down the wing and say, okay, I'm going to shoot it over his always left shoulder. I got an inch. I, he's giving me an inch. I, I'm going for that inch and get it nine times out of ten. Yeah. Tremendous player. Great guy. Thanks for the phone call, Bruce, and the kind words for Roger Bear and you know, prayers out to his family and our condolences. Uh, saw him around the garden a lot. He was a great guy. Always had a smile on his face. Always had something nice to say. Uh, he he's going to be missed. He was a, he was a great guy. And yes, he and he and Joe Willie and Walt Clyde Frazier they they did okay. <laughs> they weren't struggling <laughs> at all. <laughs> I mean, he's playing great. So I think the biggest thing is he's healthy. And, you know, we know what kind of hitter he is when he's healthy. And he's obviously gotten some big hits for us in what was a very good week for us. You know, he was right in the middle of a lot of that. So it's just good to see him. I feel like he's taking better and better at bats all the time and just being healthy. And, and we know, again, we know what he can do when he's healthy. He's something else. He's rolling right now. It's ESPN New York tonight on 98.7 ESPN. Hardest till midnight, then it's Freddie and Fitz here on 98.7. So I want to poll this to Yankee fans, the same question I just asked Bruce. Rizzo tonight, 0 for 5. Voigt coming off his AL Player of the Week week has really played well. Sent the ball. He's done everything you've asked of him, everything. Tomorrow night against Charlie Morton, I believe it's a scheduled starter. Charlie Morton, would you sit Rizzo? And play Voight? Yankee fans, what would you do? I'm curious. Personally, personally, I think with Morton, you need a bat that can do the contact thing. And I have more faith in Rizzo to do that than Voight. But Voight's a hot bat. He's hotter than Rizzo right now. So what do you do? Or is this a scenario that... Aaron Boone says, look, I'll just put the same lineup out there. This lineup gave me five runs. I'll do the same lineup. Oh, no, we can't do that because that's not a sabermetric thing. Somebody's probably got to sit. I mean, you know, people have been playing a lot, so I'm sure some sabermetric stat somewhere is going to change this lineup. So it won't be the same, although normally back in the day, a couple of years ago, When you had a hot lineup like this, you would send the exact same lineup back out there. That's what you would do, the exact same lineup, because they did pretty good tonight. Mo's in Queens. He's next on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Mo. Hey, Uncle Larry. Listen, last time I talked to you, we was in, like, we was in honeymoon. We was three and a half games up in the division, and now we're looking down. It's It's a downfall. You know, I don't want to sound harsh. You know, I hate quitting on my team, but if we don't go eight and two, nine and one in this homestand, Forget about the season. And now my main point is calling you with that. Look, man, it was sad we didn't get Chris Bryant in the in the in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. He's he's my main target in the off season. I could say bye bye to Michael Conforto and Scott Boyd because I know they're gonna ask for God knows what. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm, I'm looking at Chris Bryant in the off season, and we need a tax starting pitcher. 
And then one last question before I hang up and listen to you, Uncle Larry. Mm-hmm. I'm really 50-50 on Rojas. I, I like Rojas because he gets on the ump when ump misses the strike. He's mm-hmm. all about the players. But I feel like decisionally, you know, managerially, and I know he's not that guy. So I'm like 50-50 on him. I don't know what Steve Cohen will do. I'm going to hang up and listen. Have a great night, Uncle Larry. All right, Mo. Thanks for checking in. And the sad thing for Luis Rojas is, you know, this is not, this is not the owner's guy. The owner inherited him. Now, you know, I think he's, I understand what you're saying, Mo, but I do think you have to consider the circumstances. And the fact of it is that, you know, he got them through a lot of injuries. He got them through COVID. You don't have your ace. They've they've had a lot of misfortune to that. That's on the positive side for him. And you talk about, you know, he's in there for his, his team. He backs his guys up. He's been thrown out of a couple of games. Okay, he's spirited. He doesn't just sit there on his hands and wonder what to do. On the other side of it, um, you know, there's been a couple of things that you wonder, okay, is that really what you wanted to do there? The send the pitcher up but don't swing situation, you know, is that really what you wanted to do? So, um, you know, Cohen's – and to me – you know, Cohen, the comments that Cohen made uh, were not totally for the players. It was really for the the, the manager and his staff. <laughs> That's what that was for. And as far as Conforto, I mean, how much? I mean, really, Mo? Well, let's be honest. How much is Conforto going to ask for? He's on a horrible year. I mean, he's hot now. He's he's got some good at bats lately, but he's been Mister Invisible this year. I mean, before he got hot recently, one of his highlights was a a, a walk off walk. So how much is how much is he going to ask for? Where's he going to get it? He's really hurt his market. He really has. He really has. So I, you know, I'm 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 pretty confident. He's not going to ask for that much. He can't. <laughs> he really can't. One thing I will give I will give. And I guess I have to give Rojas some credit for it on how he's kind of managed this bullpen a little bit. Because just look at them of late. Brian DeBrain and Jake the Snake gave me these stats. Check this out. Edwin Diaz, Aaron Loop. Aaron Loop has been Mr. Automatic for, it seems like, a couple of months now. Seth Lugo is pitching well. Trevor May has been up and down. And Jay was familiar, had, had a bad inning, but rebounded and had a really good inning um, a couple of days ago with the Dodgers. Diaz, now you know how I feel about him. Whenever his music plays, he comes into a game, except for yesterday. I felt comfortable. But do you know he hasn't allowed a run since August 6th? August 6th? Loop is unscored upon since the 4th of July. And Seth Lugo has allowed two base runners over his last six appearances while holding the opposition scoreless since August 3rd. And the team is still 6-15. and 15. It's unbelievable. This is what your bullpen has done. And they're still 6-15 and 15 this month. And that's simply because they don't hit. 
I mean, that that is as locked up. I can't think of a Met bullpen. This group of Met pitchers, this is as locked down as they have been in a while. In a while. And you look at those numbers. You look at those numbers and you scratch your head thinking, how is this happening? The starting pitching has not been bad. The bullpen has been, the top guys in the bullpen have been pretty good. And and they're still losing games. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. At 1-800-919-3776, hour number two, Monday night edition of the show. Gordon is moonlighting. He's in for Dave Rothenberg, so you'll hear him tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. with Chris Canty. So I am alone with you at 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter, at Hardesty ESPN, at ESPNNY, 98 underscore 7 FM. Talking about the Yankees win over Atlanta. Thank you, Yankees. And what would you do? Would you start Rizzo tomorrow night, even though he had a hitless night? Or do you, you know, play that game and go with uh, Luke Voigt tomorrow night? What would you do, Yankee fans? Let me know. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go back to the phones. Sam is in Manhattan. Joins us next on 98.7. What's up, Sam? Hey, how you doing, Larry? Good. You, you there? Okay. Yeah, I'm here. Um, listen, I got, a, I got a comment and I got a question. Go. My comment is, I know we're talking about the Yankees. But I want to talk a little bit about the Knicks. Okay, go ahead. I like, I like the way those young boys played in the summer league. Mm-hmm. They were a lot more impressive than I thought they were going to be. And I think they could push some of the guys on the bench early if those guys stay, if they stay hungry and strong. I think they can do that. I agree with that. I agree. But, but you, know, you know with the coach that you have, the bottom line is going to be, do you play defense? That's how you're going to get minutes. The offense is going to be secondary. Yeah. Yep, I know that, but they look, they look pretty good. And my question to you is this. I asked you this about a couple months ago. I don't know if you ever got an answer to it. I was wondering whatever happened to them two guys from that movie, Hope Dreams, William Gates, and uh, Arthur Agee. Yeah, I do not have an answer. I don't know what happened to them. That's a great question, Sam. Thanks for the phone call. I have to look into that and see if I can get an answer for you. I'm not really sure what happened to those guys. They were, um, gosh, that, that documentary's been almost 30 years uh, since that came out. That was a fascinating situation, and it really talked about young kids who put their life, the future, in basketball. They thought that was the way for them to go, that that was and just show what they had to do and the long train rides and things they had to do to get to the practices to have that opportunity. So, Larry, I actually watched that movie in college for one of my film classes, mm-hmm. and I'm doing some research now just to see where they ended up, and it says while neither William Gates or Arthur, is it Agee or Agee, Agee. Agee. Ever, mm-hmm. neither played in the NBA, however, Gates actually did get a chance. In 2001, he actually worked out with a guy named Michael Jordan, you might have heard of him, Yeah, for me, <laughs> who was also <laughs> preparing for his NBA comeback with the Washington Wizards at the time. So mm-hmm. according to the Washington Post, MJ promised Gates a tryout with the team, but then Gates broke his foot, which kind of led oh, to um, him not eventually getting that opportunity. 
Good job, Snake. So what did you think about the movie when you saw it in college? Oh, I thought it was amazing. And actually, with the Field of Dreams game a couple of weeks ago, there's been a lot of talk on sports radio and social media with favorite sports movie ever. And I actually looked up a list um, the other day just to see what the consensus thought of best sports movie ever was. Mm -hmm. And on the list that I saw that had 50 sports movies... Hoop mm-hmm. Dreams was number one. So No kidding. Yeah, so I mean, depending on who you ask, obviously yeah. different people have different favorite sports movies, but mm-hmm. on this list, out of a bunch of great sports movies, Hoop Dreams was number one. I thought it was a great film. It was, when it came out at the time, it was monumental. It, it's, it was just, it had people in awe. Uh, and it, had, it was quite a statement. And as you can tell, it still has its lasting uh, tentacles out there because of the impact, because of the storyline, and just because of their lives. And even though they were two different people, they led parallel lives going the same way. And you you wonder, you hoped that things would be uh, fortunate for them, that they would be lucky enough to, to realize that dream of being pro. But it also was kind of sad that they felt that was the only way that they could go to be successful. And it started a conversation about why is it just sports? Can't you be a lawyer? Can't you be a teacher? Can't you be a, uh, you know, a doctor? Can't you be somebody professional? Why is it that especially African-Americans feel that sports was their only way out to be successful? And it started a long conversation. Uh, about that, so about other options. I, I completely agree with you, and uh, to your point, what makes a, a great sports movie, you know, great is it doesn't have to necessarily all be about sports. Yes, Hoop, uh, Hoop Dreams was a basketball movie, but it had so many more layers to it mm-hmm. about, as you said, just the lifestyle that some of these kids, you know, dealt with with basketball. And reading this article, um, so after Gates broke his foot, he ended up moving to Texas or where he still coaches AAU basketball, so he's still involved with basketball. And Arthur Agee, actually, he never played in the NBA, but guess what? He played for our Harlem Globetrotters for a little wow. bit. So he did end up playing wow. some type of professional basketball. And listen, that that's tougher to do there than the pros. <laughs> hey, what are they on, like a 3,000-game a winning streak or whatever it is? They so don't yeah, lose. They don't, they don't lose, so you they are right about lose. that one. They but Larry, actually, lose. I kind of teased it with you uh, during the commercial break, but I have a very special uh, drop that I wanted to play for you, if you don't mind. Okay. I think you might mind after you hear it, but Brian, hit the button. Let's go Yankees. Oh, you like that. That's for tonight. In, that's in wide orbit forever. Tonight, no, I, I edited it where you said tomorrow. right after you say, I can't believe I'm saying that. That's not involved in the drop. Let's go t- Yankees. Yeah, there you go, Brian. Thank tonight you very much. and tomorrow night. Let's go Yankees. After that, uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see after that. We'll see. But listen, the deal is all. If you guys lose tomorrow night, the drop is done. Can't lose tomorrow night. No, I think it's staying in uh, our system for quite some time, Larry. Okay, I'm going to have to talk to Rodney about that. 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter, at Hardest to ESPN at ESPN NY98-7FM. Mark is in Newark. He's next on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Mark. What's going on, brother Larry? Everything is good, Mark. What's happening? Oh, man, what a good show. Um, brother Larry, the last, co- the last uh, conversation, the last couple of minutes, wow, man, uh, Gotta say, 
as far as like the sports movie thing, I mean, I just quickly got to say that as a kid, man, Brian's song, oh, oh yeah. my God. Yeah. yeah. That, the original. That, that was it. I mean, yeah. yeah. The original. I mean, they should not have know, the remade longest, it. The longest yard, too. <laughs> <laughs> the longest yard, too. I yeah, think sure. I broke freaky neck. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of good ones. Um, There's a lot of good ones. <laughs> And um, and on another point with that was made, I actually met Meadowlark Lemon at mm. the Radisson Hotel here in Newark, mm-hmm. and uh, that was an absolute thrill because he's like walking towards me, and then I just started uh, humming "Sweet Georgia Brown," and he just started laughing, and I said, "You're him." He was like, <laughs> "I'm and I was like, "Man, I gotta get your autograph, man! I got you. And you're Meadowlark, dude." It was a, yeah, I was a, I don't know, I was a fan. Mm-hmm. I was done. Yeah, um, that's good. That's well, good. Next exact, Um On the match, real quick. This is. To me, this this giant series, you, know, you know how bad I wanted the Dodgers. It slapped me in the head for wanting that. Mm-hmm. But but we we did get that one, and, and I hope that uh, A, Lindor is back. I don't know the update in, in, in how soon. Maybe but, this week. B, Maybe this week. Okay. This is this is this is going to be one of those. Uh, this is this is this is big. This series right here. This this is going to show the kind of fight that the Mets have. And I hope they can get two out of three from this. That that would be that would be necessary, I think. It would be nice. Right. It would be nice. Um, be nice. On, on the Jets, um, I like what I saw. Uh, let me put it this way. Offensively, I like the tight end-centric, run-the-ball-minded. I love that strategy. It wins Super Bowls. Now, hold on one second, that. Mark. Hold on one second. Um, Did you hear me last night? Uh, last night, no, I, had to, okay. I was on call and I was in cases all night long. Okay. <laughs> last night, I said that when I watched the Jet game, I heard your voice in my head. <laughs> because they had trouble stopping the run. And all I could hear <laughs> is Mark telling me, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm a little concerned about them being able to stop the run. I'm a little concerned. <laughs> So you go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, here's my thing. Yes. Um, the 4-3 defense has won Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. But but when I think of the 4-3 defense as a scheme, um, it's, it's, it's proven. Just as well as the 3-4, you can make a case, whatever, if you're to your liking. But mm-hmm. for me, I mean, Larry, I just go back so far with, the Doomsday defense. I remember Hacksaw Reynolds with the Jack Snow and with the mm-hmm. with the uh, with the Rams. I remember so many the Bears. I so so the rest, the Washington football team, mm-hmm. the, the the NFC East in general. This is all four three the Forty Nineers beasting defenses throughout mm-hmm. the years. I mean, mm-hmm. they're just dominating defenses. Yep. But the problem with all of them is that Bill Parcells was one of the first ones that I saw. Uh, it, it, the antidote. The antidote mm. to the 4-3 defense is run-run pass. Mm-hmm. And it took the Giants. Uh, well, we, we, don't gotta, we don't even got to guess what happened. When Bill Parcells started doing that boring run-run pass versus mm-hmm. all those big-time NFC East and other defenses, it was boring, but it was successful because mm-hmm. the 4-3, the weak spot is running the football. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? It has been, Mark. 
And thanks for the phone call. And and what you happens know. though is when what's going to be interesting is to see what Robert Sala is going to do, because he's he lost another player. I mean, you know, this kid was going to be another linebacker that was going to help him in in trying to stop the run from the four three spot. So. You know, I don't know what he's going to have to do, whether he's going to end up putting more people on the line in some schemes. I don't know what he's going to do. But uh, clearly, running the football is an issue against this team, uh, for this team defensively. And they they had, I think he said, I remember 17 or 18. Salah said it was 21. You cannot have a 17, 18, 19, 20, 21-play drive. That... Eight, nine, ten minutes, that kills your defense. I mean, that defense is done. And then you go three and out? You can't do that. You can't. You got to get off. You have to get off the field. And that's one of the things he was talking about. They got to do a better job getting off the field on third down. So, with and remember, a large early in the game, that was his starters. That was the starting defensive front out there. So, they're going to have to make some adjustments. Um, as I, I agree with you offensively, you like what uh, Zach Wilson brought to the table. You like the quick release. Talked about it last night on the show. You like how he positioned himself, positioned his body so that he wasn't really throwing so much against across his body as he threw to um, that touchdown pass. Uh, so, you know, I, you like what you see from him. Now, here's here's the other thing we know. There are going to be some bad days. He's going to make some bad plays. But – if he can keep those to a minimum while still getting better and learning the different defenses and learning the different schemes and being able to pick up on things and doing his work in the video room, he could be pretty good. But, you know, you can't judge him. You judge him on what he's able to do because he's successful, and that's what you want. Yeah, I know it's against the twos and the threes, but it doesn't matter. It's the fact is he's confident. He knows what he wants to do. The quick release, listen, if he got a quick release against twos and threes, he'll have a quick release against the ones. But now his ability to look and make decisions, that will have to be quicker. And hopefully during these scrimmages during the week, that's what he's doing, where they're quickening the pace so that he understands you can't just sit back there and pat the football and take pictures. You have to go through your keys, look through the people who are there, get rid of the football, and roll out and run and do what you have to do to extend plays. But I like what I saw from uh, from the play calling aspect of him, as you mentioned, Mark, hitting the tight ends, but also the quick plays, the runs. He got five yards on one running play, and he got you know a quick screen for like another six yards, first down, and he threw the ball like one yard <laughs> on two downs. And he got the t- and he got you know first downs. Now, is he going to see a stacked front where they're stopping the run and daring him to pass? Yeah, and what's he going to do when he sees that? And is he going to be able to read that safety help over the top? That's what you need to see. And we'll find that out during the regular season. But for right now, he is doing what you put in front of him, what you're asking him to do. That's what he's doing. And right now, that's all you can ask for. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.